0: Mom guys, as coders and billers, we get it. Healthcare compliance can be a hassle, inconvenient, and a headache that never goes away. That's why they've developed EpiCompliance, an easy-to-use software that helps you stay up to date and on track with the ever-changing requirements of healthcare compliance. This cloud-based software covers HIPAA, Privacy and Security, OSHA, and the ACA OIG, Medicare Waste, Fraud, and Abuse Prevention compliance requirements. It includes forms, policies, tasks, and mandated compliance training all in one easy to use interface. Do you need to send and organize your business associate agreements to your clients? You can do that with Epi Compliance through their business associate center. And most importantly, in our profession, EpiCompliance covers you with the billing and coding and prevention of waste, fraud, and abuse compliance. Don't risk getting on the CMS, HHS, OIG list of excluded individuals and entities, which is a permanent record on the internet. Ready to stay up to date and compliant every month with EpiCompliance? You have to do it. Did I mention it's required by law? Might as well do it right with EpiCompliance. Right now, Life as a Coder podcast listeners can save 20% on their subscription by visiting epicompliance.com forward slash Ozark and using the discount code Ozark20. That's epicompliance.com forward slash O Z A R K and use the discount code Ozark20. O Z A R K 20. You work on your business. Let Epi Compliance take care of your compliance. Welcome to the Life as a Coder podcast series brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance. Discussing your life as a medical coder, offering coding tips and advice for coding students and professionals. Join us every Wednesday. Hello and welcome to the Life is a Coder podcast series. My name is Jennifer McNamara, and our program is brought to you from your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance. And our goal is to bring you timely industry topics in the field of health information management, as well as our tips for work-life balance. If you're a first-time listener, we thank you for listening today. And if you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button or follow us wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, have you heard? We have our own website. Please visit www.lifeasacoder.org and subscribe there. We have all our episodes there for you to listen to anytime, as well as information on our sponsors. Our disclaimer is that our podcasts are not to be taken as legal or professional advice. Our podcasts are based on our years of experience in the coding and billing industry, and we want to share with you what we've learned and why we love this industry. So today, we're here to talk about something that's very important to me. Of course, it's coding, of course, but it's an area of coding that I, of course, I'd spent years trying to learn, and I, of course, most of my career have been in professional P coding, but the last couple of years, I really thought more about getting that inpatient facility certification I've been working so hard for, and so I went and I got my CCS certification, that's Certified Coding Specialist, with AHIMA. AHIMA, the uh, American Health Information Management Association, for those of you that aren't aware. And so, of course, we know there are two main organizations that credential coders. There's AHIMA and there's AAPC, the American Academy Professional Coders. I've spent most of my career, well, pretty much all of it, as an AAPC certified coder. Uh, but I wanted to, of course, have that complete uh, education And I wanted to really delve into the inpatient side and become certified in that. And of course, I've been preparing so long. I've been researching, of course, the differences in, of course, how we code diagnosis coding and procedure coding. Back years ago, of course, we still use ICD-9 back then. Uh, for diagnosis coding, but it was also, of course, ICD-9 had its procedure portion as well, didn't it? Well, when ICD-10 came around, we, of course, had the same functionality. We had, of course, ICD-10-CM for the diagnosis coding, and we had ICD-10-PCS, procedural coding system uh, for the procedures. And so, There was a time, right? Remember in our ICD-9 book, we had that combination book where it had everything in it. We had all our diagnosis codes and we had that section with the procedure codes. Well, we have two manuals now. We have the ICD-10 PCS has its own manual and we have ICD-10 CM, of course, for diagnosis has its own manual. So today for episode nine, we're going to talk about PCS coding basic structure. So what I wanted to talk about, of course, is that basic structure of the PCS system. And I'm not here to give a full educational lecture uh, or course, right? Because I do have uh, on our website, Ozark Coding Alliance, we do actually have a inpatient coding workshop. So if you're interested in of course, joining that, it's on demand, available anytime. It does come with some nice CEUs for you. Um, And of course, you can go to ccscoder.com to obtain access to that course. So today we're gonna talk about the basic structure. I wanna kinda dig in though and just kinda talk about the history of PCS coding. Of course, we talked about, of course, it is the 10th revision of the International Classification of Procedural Coding System, the official classification system in the United States to report those inpatient hospital procedures. One thing we wanna note that it's the only, of course, the system is only used in the United States. Um, Other course countries use the ICD-10-CM diagnosis, right? And as inpatient coders, we do use both, just like the professional fee outpatient coders use ICD-10, CM, and CPT. As inpatient coders, if you're in the facility, you're coding CM and you're coding PCS, right? And of course, because you deal with insurance companies, you're billing that claim to an insurance company. Something unique to facility coders is that DRG system, right? The have to, to assign that appropriate DRG, that diagnosis-related group, based on, of course, your payer once the patient's discharged. So everything that you do in that hospital setting from the beginning of that admission to the discharge is so crucial. And it, of course, has a bearing on your DRG assignment. We have to know... Was, what was the principal procedure? What was the principal diagnosis? And we're not here to give, like I said, a full lecture on all of that. It's a very involved process. But I want to talk a little bit about just the basic structure because it's important if you're learning to code PCS and you're wanting to take your CCS exam, your certified coding specialist exam, great one to have, by the way. It's one that a lot of employers are requesting that you have. You'll see either the CCS or the CPC, certified professional coder, from the AAPC as your main credentials that most of them would prefer you to have. Uh, so now with relaxed guidelines where it's not a requirement anymore, just recommended to have certain uh education, right? And certain prerequisites, Uh, you don't have to have them anymore. You can course take it based on your experience or self-study, right? Or maybe you've taken a course and you didn't go to college for three or four years, uh, or you don't have another credential, but you studied and you feel confident that you can take this exam. You can now take it without those requirements. So why do we love PCS? Why do I love PCS? Well, as, of course, a career veteran in CPT coding, I came to appreciate the completeness of it. It's so nice when you come from a CPT background where you use a lot of unlisted codes, by the way. I know it's something that those in general surgery will back me up. We use a lot of unlisted codes in general surgery. It's kind of crazy. So when I come into the PCS world, when I'm Learning it when I am teaching it, it is really great for me to see this unique code that fully describes my procedure. No need for a nine nine at the end of my code, it is complete. And expandability, as new procedures are developed, we have the structure that it allows for them to be easily incorporated as a unique code without disrupting that existing structure, right? And of course, it's multi-axial. So it has these independent characters, each with their individual axis that retain the meaning across the range, right? So you're going to have every digit have its own meaning, which I love. And as I talk more about the root operations, which of course are the meat of your PCS code, you're going to see what I'm talking about. So let's talk about some of the structure that we, of course, know about PCS. And of course, it does have seven characters. The nice thing about this is it is always seven characters. In ICD-10-CM, we know we can have three to seven, right? But in ICD-10-PCS, it is always seven. There is a value for every code. It has to be complete. So we have, of course, numbers zero through nine and the alphabet, except for O and I, Because why? Well, we know how easy it is to confuse those for numbers one and zero as it happens when we think about the OBGYN codes in CM, right? We think it's so easy to wanna do a zero for that O, right? Uh, So it's nice that we have eliminated O and I so we don't confuse them for one and zero. So that makes that really nice, right? And of course, like I mentioned, it's buildable, which is my favorite part. It's like you're building a structure, right? So the structure of ICD-10 PCS is building blocks. You're building that code, you're building that description, and you're telling the insurance company what happened. So if you're studying for your CCS exam or another exam that includes the need to understand PCS uh, structure, character one, that's your section. Now, for the purposes of this discussion today, I am going to talk about the medical and surgical section. It is the main section that most of us code from. There are other sections, you know, like measurement and monitoring, osteopathic, you have the obstetric section. There are several sections, right? But we're going to focus mostly on medical and surgical when I talk today. Uh, The second character is your body system. You got to know where you're at in the body, just like you do in CPT, Right. So that will, of course, be your second digit. Third digit, most important digit in PCS. You, you have to, have to, have to know your root operations. And I'm going to keep saying that. So we're going to talk about that. And then the body part itself, right? So you need to know where on the body, in that body system. So we have our musculoskeletal system, for instance, or maybe we have our integumentary system, uh, skin, subcutaneous tissue. Uh, we have these systems but then we have to know where at in that system we are at, right? And the approach. We know about approaches in CPT, don't we? We know laparoscopic, we know, of course, uh, open. In PCS, there are several approaches that may be familiar to us by our knowledge of CPT, but we're gonna talk about how we understand the differences between what they are. And I'm telling you, once you learn the approaches, it's gonna open up your mind and even if you stay as a CPT coder and you stay in the professional fee world, once you learn PCS, it's going to make your job as a CPT coder, a professional fee coder, so much more clear. You're going to see so much more to your uh, world being opened up, understanding these approaches, and it's really gonna help you have things just come together. And your device character, set number six. That is, of course, they may leave something in the body like a device. We think of grafting, for instance. They're going to, of course, put in something and it's gonna stay there. And a qualifier. We're gonna talk about some examples of the qualifiers. Now, there are a lot of times when you don't have six and seven, just like in ICD-10-CM, we have our X placeholders. We have our Z placeholders in PCS that will a lot of times just be there to hold the place, but of course, there's no value to them. Um, So we see that for instance. Have you heard? Now the CCS exam is available without restrictions. Now is a great time to jumpstart your coding career with one of the most popular certifications in the country. The majority of employers require a CCS credential and at Ozark Coding Alliance, we're here to help you achieve this goal. Join our workshop this July for only $129 and earn five CEUs. You can register at ccscoder.com. Now let's talk about our body system codes. Now, there are some variations that we may not be we were thinking about, right? So for us in like the CPT world, and you know, those that we're thinking about those, of course, organ systems, body systems, we do have specific areas where they're broken up even further. So you, we think about the nervous system, it's broken up into central and peripheral, we know that when we learn about the anatomy, right? Uh, but it, it's just nervous system in CPT. In PCS, we have separate values for the central or the peripheral. And then when it comes to the cardiovascular system, it's so broken up, guys. It's like got the heart and great vessels, the upper arteries, lower arteries, upper veins, lower veins, and it's just crazy. And then when we come to the musculoskeletal system, it's broken up so much. We've got muscles, we've got tendons, we've got upper and lower bones, upper and lower joints. So it's not just you're looking for a musculoskeletal system. You have to specifically know that body structure you're looking at, where does it fall in the characters that PCS has ad- identified for the uh, that system. So if you're looking at a distal radius, that of course uh, is an upper bone because it belongs in the upper portion of the body. It's in your your arm, right? lower bones, you're looking at your femur, you're going to look for something there. And so you got to know where that bone is on the body, got to know where that joint is specifically. And of course, it's great to have a diagram in front of you. And maybe if you haven't taken a a class, of course, in uh, anatomy and physiology, it's a great time to do that. And so let's talk about third character. My favorite character is the third character, believe it or not. I love digging into these root operations. They are, of course, the root of the PCS code. So, of course, we understand uh, that makes sense. But also, the root operation really tells you what's happening, right? So I think of things like creation. So as an example, they use this for maybe a gender reassignment surgery, or corrective procedure for individuals with congenital anomalies. So they make a new structure that does not take over the function of a body part. So it's a completely new structure. They're creating something, right? And then we think of the word dilation. I like that one too, because what's the definition? In PCS, they tell us it's expanding an orifice or the lumen of a tubular body part. Now, some of this of course, terminology might be confusing to someone who is new to coding. So something that's a good idea is when you're reading these definitions, stop and get out your dictionary and look up some of these words. So let's think of the definition of the word lumen. What is is the word lumen? What does it mean? Well, it's the cavity or channel within a tube or tubular organ. So an example would be a blood vessel or inside of the intestine, arteries, things like that, things that are inside of a tubular structure Uh, or more of a hollow structure uh, like the intestine so we're thinking about that terminology we're thinking about that definition so it can help us understand the pcs definition a little bit more so they're going to go into this structure they're going to dilate it right so they're going to stretch that tubular body part using pressure or maybe they're going to try to break something up um, by dilating it right and so that's what they're they're looking at, uh, for instance, a percutaneous transluminal angioplasty. What happens during a transluminal angioplasty? Well, we know what it's used for, right? We know that the purpose of it is, of course, because a patient has atherosclerosis, for instance, they have that plaque, they have that blockage, and so they need to get rid of that blockage, so they're going to of course put in that catheter. It's a thin tube, right, called a catheter. Uh, it's going to have that wire on it, and it's going to be pushed up to the blockage. And on the end of it, it has this balloon tip at its tip, right? It's very small, a very small balloon. But as it enters that blockage, it's going to inflate or dilate that area. It's going to flatten that plaque against the artery walls and break it up. So that's an example of a procedure that is used to dilate that structure to break up that plaque. So that's a good example of that. Another thing I want to talk about is the words excision versus resection. And we're going to talk about an example of that too. And I do talk about this, of course, in my workshop. But when it comes to the word, of course, excision, this definition for excision and resection are very similar in wording. So we want to kind of notice the differences. So it's cutting out or off without replacement a portion of a body part. What is resection? resection is cutting out or off without replacement, all of a body part. So that last part of each term is a little bit different, isn't it? So for an excision, we think of maybe a biopsy. Uh, they are taking, of course, a portion of a body part um, and they're not going to replace it, of course, they're taking it off completely, but it's a portion of a body part. And so we think about resection, difference there is all of one. So a total lobectomy of the lung, even though you know, we have a a lobe is part of, there's several lobes, right? A total lobectomy is the removal of the entire lobe. It's considered a single structure on its own, even though there are four lobes, right, to the lung. There's, um, you know, taking off one lobe is a full removal, a full resection of the entire body part. It's its own structure. Uh, So, but for instance, like if you're taking a biopsy from the colon, you're not removing the entire colon, are you? You're taking a a biopsy, right? Maybe uh, the polyp that you saw, or maybe it's something else that's there, you need to take a portion of that structure to biopsy for diagnostic purposes. And so that's what you're looking at. And then we have, of course, uh, the word transfer. That's another good one, right? So moving without taking out all or a portion of a body part to another location, and what is it gonna do? It's gonna take over the function of all or a portion of that body part. So the really the body part is transferred, and then that, of course, body part remains connected to all its vascular and nervous system supply. So it's really just being transferred. It's connected still to all of that information. So we think of a tendon transfer or a skin pedicle flap transfer. That's an example of a transfer. So those are just some examples of things that we see. And there's a whole full list, right, guys? There are 31 root operations within the medical and surgical section. So get to know them well, You know, review them. But when you're taking your test, your CCS exam, to become a certified coding specialist, All the definitions are right there at the top of the table, we call it, in the main section of the coding part of the book. On your exam, you're not going to be using your index necessarily. We do highlight the fact and we teach our students, do not use your index if at all possible. There may be certain questions on your exam where it may be necessary for you to use the index, maybe to look up something and get the terminology correct for you. But all you're going to need to do mostly, because it's all multiple choice, is you're going to go right to those codes and narrow them down as quickly as possible. Just like with any other, you know, test you're going to take, that's multiple choice, you're going to see some similarities. You're going to see some codes that start with those first three characters, right, that are very similar. In fact, most of the digits in that PCS code are going to be looking very similar to you. So what you're going to isolate on that exam is you're going to isolate what are the digits that are different. Also look at your diagnosis code. Sometimes that's a real help in in eliminating those answers quickly. And we want you to be proficient in PCS, but when you take a course and you learn it, we know, and they know, you know it. But on that exam, you're having to do things so quickly. You have to think on the fly. You have to be very quick about it. So even though you know how to do it in the real world, in real life, you could do it. On that test, you don't have time. So you have to narrow those down as quickly as possible. So it's so important for you to be very proficient and almost memorize, right, every single digit and understand as many root operations as you can to identify them quickly. The body part, of course, we understand. Examples of body parts are the kidney. Now, if you go back up to your list of your body systems, it's a good idea to have these, of course, well in mind. You can go up to your body systems and you're gonna learn uh, that that would be, of course, the urinary system. Where are the kidneys located? That's a good example. So when you think about what, of course, body system you're in, you think, okay, this body part belongs in this body system and it's gonna come together for you. Think, where are the tonsils at? Where is the thymus? And then we move along to our next character. Let's jump into our approaches. This is another favorite part of mine. I love the approaches. Uh, So of course, open is your value zero. That's of course the open incision. We understand that pretty clearly, mostly, right? So then we have the percutaneous and we have percutaneous endoscopic. So it's very important for us to understand the difference between percutaneous and percutaneous endoscopic. We might be very familiar with the term percutaneous when it comes to maybe an orthopedic coder, we see that term a lot in CPT, but it's entry by puncture or minor incision they are going to insert instrumentation through the skin or mucous membrane and any other body layers to reach the site, right? So it's a very small incision. They're not opening them up. It's not invasive, right? Like maybe an uh, open knee replacement would be. Percutaneous. Then we have percutaneous endoscopic. What is the difference, right? When we think about endoscopic, um, they're going to be using that specific scope, right, to enter that body system. So it's really the difference between having visual uh, ability and non visual ability. Because when you have an endoscope, you can actually visualize where that instrument is going, right? There's a visualization happening where if it's just percutaneous, you don't visualize what's happening. You know where you're going, right? You know that that's happening. But in a percutaneous endoscopic, for instance, you can actually visualize that. So that would be like a laparoscopic procedure, right? You're entering the scope into the the joint in order to attain uh, your procedure, but you can see everything because it's with, the, with that scope device. Then we have the next options, digits seven and eight, are the natural or artificial opening, or we have, of course, with it being endoscopic. So it's either into a natural opening, or it's in a natural opening endoscopic. So they're going to enter that artificial opening, natural opening, and we all have them in our bodies. We have natural openings, we have our mouth, we have our anal canal, we have our ears. Those are natural openings where you can insert instruments into something that's already there in the body. We don't have to create an opening, do we? And then of course, that endoscopic, there's gonna be visualization happening. You're gonna visualize what you're doing while you're doing it, right? And uh, then we have the letter or the character F that is via natural or artificial opening with percutaneous endoscopic assistance. So this definition, of course, very similar, but they're going to puncture or do a minor incision. Um, The instrumentation is going to go through the skin or mucous membrane um, and any other body layers necessary to perform that procedure. So they're going to do endoscopic assistance to gain access percutaneously. There's going to be some kind of incision now. So when you see the difference. They're still going into an artificial opening, but they're going to have to do some kind of percutaneous puncture or minor incision to get that instrumentation through the skin um, into that artificial opening or natural opening in the body. So think about that definition when you're looking at approaches. And then we have external these are procedures performed directly on the skin or mucous membranes and they're performed indirectly by the application of external force through the skin or mucous membrane and so an example of that would be a closed fracture reduction they're going to be providing a procedure to the patient without actually going into the body right they're going to do that closed reduction maybe they're going to resect the tonsils uh, but we look at that it may sound confusing but if you go to your pcs guidelines. Yes, PCS has guidelines just like ICD-10 does. So I want you to, of course, maybe pause this, open up your PCS book and turn to guideline B5.3. And so just like we have these guidelines in other areas that may not make sense, we go, of course, back to the guidelines and we read them. And of course, we have to follow that specific guideline, even though it may differ from another guideline that we're used to following. It says specifically for external approaches, it says procedures performed within an orifice on structures that are visible without the aid of any instrumentation, they're coded to the approach external. And so it gives you the example of resection of the tonsils is coded to the approach external. So again, very clear example for us in our guidelines. It's always a good idea when you're going through your coding guidelines going through examples that you're coding, you know that you have to code the approach. You're down to that portion. You're not quite sure what to code for. So just take a quick glance in your guidelines and just see if there's anything under the section of approaches that might alter your code description or may alter the code choice you're about to make. It's always a good idea. Every time I'm coding for ICD-10-CM, Even though I've been coding a long time, I always look at what I'm coding. I'm coding diabetes, for instance. And sometimes I'm not perfect. I do forget things. And so I have to go back and I have to look at that official guideline. I know it's officially, of course, diabetes that I'm coding. I know there's a whole section on guidelines for diabetes coding. So I go there. I take a quick glance, make sure I haven't forgotten anything or that I know my guideline. I have it well in hand and then I can proceed. Same thing with PCS. You know you're going about to be coding that procedure with that approach digit, that uh, approach, that character, right? And so just take a quick glance in the guidelines see if there's anything under approaches that can alter your code assignment. Just a little quick tip, things that I like to bring out when I'm coding and, and helping my students so they can be successful. And then next, we come to our sixth character for our devices. Now, they do fall into four basic categories. We've got the graphs and prostheses, implants, we have the simple or mechanical appliances, and then electronic appliances. And you'll see several characters there, zero through Z. Uh, there are, of course, several characters there. We have zero, one, two, three, seven, and then we start at C, D, J, K, L, M, Y, Z. So, those are the different options we have in the medical and surgical section uh, for our device characters. Now you wanna be familiar with terms like autologous, what is that? That's of course the recipient and the donor, of course, the same person. So it's it's from you to you, basically. Non-autologous would be, maybe they're, they're gonna be not the same person, right? So a donor skin uh, to do a graft, basically. Uh, synthetic material, what is that? Well, it's biologically derived. It did not come from a living thing. It was made in a lab, right? Intraluminal. We talked about the lumen, right? So intra meaning within. So it's introduced into that blood vessel, for instance, inside that lumen, that structure. Extraluminal is outside the lumen, outside of that structure. So outside of that blood vessel, for instance. Those are some terms to be aware of when you're looking at that. Because when you look at your table uh, for the device, you need to know some of those terms because they may not be, automatically standing out to you if you're new to coding and you're not used to seeing those terms in your specialty or what you're used to doing every day. And again, this character does have its own guidelines. So you're going to go to B6 under device. Now B6 has several, of course, guidelines within it. So we have B6.1A where it says a device is coded only if a device remains after the procedure is completed, right? If it doesn't remain, then there's no value. You're going to see a Z uh, placeholder. If you have materials like sutures, ligatures, radiological markers, all of those things, um, those are considered integral to the performance and are not coded as devices. You have to use them, right? They're, They're always there, right? They're not anything that we can code separately for. And just like with the sixth character, seventh character for the qualifier will often have a Z placeholder and not have a value. So that's because there's not always a device left and there's not always a, a value for these characters. So when you look at a procedure, some of the things you're gonna see is the first three, those words, allergenic, uh, syngeneic, or zooplastic. Uh, you're gonna need to know those. Obviously, zooplastic makes sense to us, right? That, of course, is surgical transplantation to man of animal tissue you may have other body parts listed as well that they want to have you give them a qualifier for for instance the colon the bladder if it's diagnostic earlier we talked about the biopsy codes right and that of course will always have the diagnostic qualifier because biopsies are done for diagnostic purposes so you're always going to see that uh, placeholder or that i'm sorry that character uh, listed there for biopsies So those are just some quick tips and examples I wanted to give you to give you a basic rundown of all of the structure of PCS. Now, I know we always want examples, so I just want to kind of talk about some examples um, and how we look at this. So I'm going to give you one of my favorite examples, of course, to talk about. I always like talking about uh, the root operations of excision versus resection. So you're always going to want to, of course, start out in the course of live environment when you're learning. You definitely want to use your index to search for those main terms. So let's say, for instance, we're doing a laparoscopic appendectomy. So you can always search right for the main term. In PCS, the main term is the procedure. That's what we're coding for. When we were coding for CM for um, diagnostics, we're looking for the main term, what is the disease, right? In PCS, we're looking for that main procedure, what is being done. So appendectomy is our main term. If you go to your index and you look up appendectomy, what do you see? You see two options, either excision or resection. So if you remember, our definitions of the two is either removing a portion of a body part or all of a body part. And of course, we have to decide what are we doing, Are we removing the entire appendix or a portion. Typically, nine times out of 10, you're gonna be removing the entire appendix, right? So it's usually gonna be resection. So if you go and you see that, you have different options. The first, of course, um, two digits are the same, the section and the body system. Uh, But then you have differences in the, of course, root operation. So your digit's gonna change. So zero DTJ is what the index tells us to start with. So we have four characters now already identified for us in the index, which is great, right? And then of course we have to decide what is our approach. So we of course said that our procedure is laparoscopic. So our approach is gonna be percutaneous endoscopic because it's not a natural opening. We do have to do that small incision to get that scope into the structure. And so then so far, we have what? We have 0DTJ for a resection of the appendix done laparoscopically or percutaneous endoscopic. There's no device character and no qualifier for the resection. Now, if we had been doing an excision and it was for a biopsy specifically, then of course, uh, we would have the diagnostic qualifier, but we don't have that in this instance. So that's a good example of that, isn't it? Now, of course, as a GI coder, I like talking about GI procedures. So I picked on the sigmoidoscopy with biopsy. So let's look at that one. So under your index, of course, we have to get that right, that correct root operation. We need to know what it is. So when we think about the definitions for a sigmoidoscopy with biopsy, a biopsy we know is coded to a excision code, since it's cutting off without replacement, a portion of a body part. So knowing the definitions of your root operations will really help you locate the correct location in your index. So excision of what? Well, the sigmoid is part of the colon, right? So we can run our finger down in that index. We can find the word colon and find the sigmoid. So that gives us four characters automatically that we have the zero dbn. So we'll take that over to our table. So we have the first four characters for us. We need that, of course, approach value to continue. We need to know how that was performed. And we know it was a scope, right? It was a sigmoidoscopy. So that was done. Natural or artificial opening endoscopic, because the sigmoid, the colon, is, of course, accessed through the artificial opening in the body. So we have 8 as our digit. So we have 0db, n for the sigmoid colon, 8 is our, of course, approach character, And we do have no device left in, right? We do take that scope out. We don't leave it in there. And then we have our qualifier. We have a qualifier this time, remember, because it's a biopsy. So we have X for our diagnostic qualifier. So that's our code, 0DBN8ZX. Crazy, right? I mean, we'd never be able to memorize these codes like we can with CPT or with ICD-10, right, CM. It's impossible, right, to, of course, memorize these. Now, if you want more information and you want to learn more about PCS and the DRG system and all those goodies, definitely check out Virtual Healthcare Summit. I'm going to be teaming up with Betty Hovey, my, one of my favorite people. We're going to talk about the inpatient coding structure. We're going to be talking a lot about what we just talked about, but more in depth. We're going to really dig in, spend an entire hour talking about the DRG system and, of course, some examples of understanding PCS coding you're not going to want to miss that. And if you want more in depth, you want practice exams, and you want really to dig in and really practice PCS coding, I highly encourage you to visit ccscoder.com and sign up $129. You're going to get uh, five CEUs for our workshop. Uh, We're going to cover the main areas of PCS that are most commonly misunderstood or difficult for a lot of people. And of course, they are the ones that are commonly found on the CCS coding exam. So I definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, We look forward, of course, to seeing so many of you that have already signed up for Virtual Healthcare Summit. So visit www.ozarksummit2021.com and sign up today. We can't wait to have everyone there. We're going to have 20 CEUs for y'all, low-cost CEUs. We have industry leaders from all over the country. We're so excited to have them with us. There's going to be live giveaways, and everybody who signs up by August 31st, 2021 you will get, of course, 10% off with code WELCOME10. And of course, you're always going to get entered into our pre-conference drawing. We are going to be having a drawing for those that are registered prior to August 31st, those attendees. You'll get entered into a drawing to win a free set of 2022 code books. That's the CPT, ICD-10-CM, and Hicks Level 2 coding book. So very exciting drawing that we're going to have. And when you're registered as an attendee, you get to join that Awesome, awesome app we have, the Guest Board, and we're going to be having challenges every day up until that point. So sign up today. Don't miss out on those daily challenges and a chance to increase your points. And of course, get a chance to win those coding books. Well, if you haven't joined our online Patreon squad, now is the time. You can listen to our podcast and earn CEUs. We do special shout outs on the show. So I want to thank and shout out to our August members that sign up in the month of August. We have Heather, Marie, Lori, Darlene, Jody, Lauren, Maribel, Patricia, Rhonda, Laura, Robin, Mindy, Dina, Desiree, Christian, and Jessica. Thank you so much for joining the Patreon squad. And you know, we have different levels. We have our dollar members, our $5 members, and our $10 members. No matter what level you are, we are so grateful you're here. You, of course, are supporting the show. You are supporting your education by getting those certified education units to keep yourself active as a coder. And, of course, if you don't need CEUs, you're still welcome to support the patron squad. We love support, and we, of course, want to stay here. We want to stay in this platform and keep providing these episodes for you to keep you educated and have a little fun on the side. So we love, love, love uh, educating our members and our listeners. This has been Jennifer McNamara with the Life as a Coder podcast series. It's always our goal to inspire and educate. And I always say knowledge is power. Don't give up on coding. The knowledge you gain today makes you powerful tomorrow. Thank you to our sponsors, Ozark Coding Alliance, and our amazing podcast producer, Gabriel Fass, with Highland Productions. Until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Life as a Coder podcast series, brought to you by your friends at Ozark Coding Alliance. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort. It helps us share the show with other coders, students, and professionals just like you. Come back every Wednesday for a new episode. We'll catch you then. Project Resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Be sure to reference this podcast when you place your order.